0: Hello again, welcome to another episode of the Uranium Market Minute. Today is Friday, June 3rd, and this is episode number 133. My name is Justin Hune. I am your host. I'm the founder and publisher of the Uranium Insider Pro Newsletter, the only investing newsletter that focuses solely on uranium and publishes on a regular monthly basis. As always, nothing that you see or hear in this podcast is intended to be investing advice. I'm not your financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Please always do your own due diligence when it comes to investing and always take responsibility for your own choices. All right, wrapping up another exciting week in the world of uranium. Uh, uranium h- hung in there pretty well this week, had a, a decent day yesterday with some stocks up 10 to 15% on the day, had a bit of profit taking today, but the volumes were pretty low. And all things considered with the, with the weak tape and the broad markets, we actually did pretty well today. So we'll look at the charts in just a second. I'm gonna speak about SPUT um, as well as some uh, development with regards to Diablo Canyon, nuclear power plant in California. In the mailbag section but before we do that let's go through the daily scoreboard the spot price of uranium up 25 cents to 49.75 a pound uh firm and rising for the spot price with spot out of the market um like i said i'm going to mention more on this in the mailbag section today but basically i did speak on this yesterday where we see sometimes the tail wagging the dog here we see traders actually um, attempting to buy low sell high when on expectations of and in observance of the Sput Trust trading up, implying a higher spot price, Um, trading at a slight premium to NAV, they know Sput's in the market raising money. And so uh, that ends up, you end up seeing traders actually front run the purchasing of Sput. I think that's what's happening right now. It would make sense if that's the case. So after being out of the market for the last four to five weeks, they've now raised capital the last five of, five of the last six trading days, But like I mentioned, have not bought any Uranium during that period of time. They did buy 100,000 pounds last week. Uh, Yesterday, Sput issued a total of 1.89 million new trust units, raised an additional 23.4 million in new money, closed at a small discount to NAV, minus 0.31%. They've taken in 62.4 million in new investor capital the past six trading days. Nice to see that taking up a bit here for our friends at Sprott. The total NAV of Sput now sits at 2.83 billion uh up about 300 million over the past week which is great to see since new year's day sput has raised 797.5 million just a hair under 800 million dollars raised 2022 year to date they're now sitting on 85 and a half million in cash even if they keep a little bit of a buffer there they still have enough money to buy about a million uh, a million pounds of uranium like i said i will mention more about sput in the mailbag section The ETFs, neither URA nor URNM reported any changes in outstanding shares. That tends to be the case on these low volume trading days that we've seen over the past couple of weeks. The big up days, the big down days is when you can see the ETFs trade at a discount or premium to NAV, sufficient for them to issue shares uh, to raise cash or sell down their holdings to buy back shares. Either way, uh, the joint AUM of URA and URNM Jumped up by 88 million yesterday. Now sits at 2.59 billion. Let's take a look at the charts. Starting off with URA down 2.42% on the day. Uh, Low volume day again for this ETF. Uh, Had higher volumes yesterday. Didn't see a follow through today, but still up from the previous day. So we didn't lose all of our gains of yesterday. That's really good to see. And like I said, we had a weak tape on the S&P. Let's look at URA relative to the S&P here holding up substantially well. Most of the time I've been showing the URM chart to the S&P, but in this case, I wanna zoom out a little bit here so we can see that we are very well still in this uptrend since this bull market started back in December of 2020, at least for the equities. And uh, if we really zoom out on this chart, which is something I like to do every once in a while to get some perspective on where we are at in this trend of URA, AKA uranium, outperforming the broad markets. I think this trend has just started. I think we are 18 to 24 months into a Uranium and Commodities bull market that could last for many, many years. Let's look at Cameco, see how Cameco held up today. Go back to the daily charts here. Cameco down 1.85%. That was on par with the S&P down about the same. Really not all that bad. Saw some dip buying come in as well, but as you can see, the volume trend continues to be down since the bottom uh, of the market that we had about three weeks ago. So what does that mean? Will we see this revert and come down? Are we going to make a higher low and pull back a little bit and drop back down below that 200-day moving average? We'll have to see how things go next week. Still a lot of bearish sentiment, not around uranium, but around the markets in general. A lot of people concerned about recession. A lot of people concerned about inflation, concerned about the Fed's hawkishness um everyone's speculating on when the fed, fed is going to pivot most people think that they're going to have to pivot due to rates affecting the national debt and the interest on that debt and the effects on the markets and as soon as they have an excuse to do so that they will that seems like a decent take in my opinion we're going to have to see inflation pull back substantially before they do pivot what does that mean for the markets going forward probably doesn't mean a uh, uh, very positive for the markets going forward however As we saw in the chart I just showed you, will we maintain an outperformance? Will we continue to see a rotation of capital? Will that rotation increase in size? That is yet to be seen. That is what we're betting on. And of course, we're betting on the fundamentals of the space in general. Okay, Um, I actually didn't show you the Sprott-Physic Uranium Trust. Let me go back and show you that really quick. So SPUT traded very nicely today, bucking the markets entirely up uh, 0.77% today with uh, the spot price of uranium rising a little bit also. So SPUT is dragging up spot, um, and and not vice versa because we are seeing capital flows come in. Now, the volumes still aren't there. Uh, This setup is absolutely ripe with SPUT trading right around NAV for about a week now. As you can see, they've been raising money. They've been above that 1% premium to NAV sufficiently. To raise 80, uh, 60 something million dollars in the last five days, um, so so institutional money is still not jumping on this. We're not seeing big, big volumes. That's what we want to see to really feel like we're confirming a breakout and a move back to the upside for another leg in this market. Risk is still off, in my opinion. Okay, so mailback section. Somebody asked me about Sput. Um, basically, can can I give a, a wider overview? of the impact of SPUT and what do I think is going to happen with SPUT going forward. There's been a lot of talk on Twitter um, about SPUT's trust holding on uranium and never selling it. I'm not going to speculate on that. I will let uh, Mr. Chimpaglia answer to some of those questions as far as how the trust is going to operate. In fact, he already has in a number of interviews, so it might not even be worth reiterating. But either way, I wanted to give a 30,000 foot view of SPUT, what we have accomplished so far with SPUT and what I personally expect going forward. Okay, so short history of Sput. August 21st through of last year through April 30th of this year, Sput has acquired 37.2 million pounds of uranium during that period of time. That is four and a half million pounds per month, okay? And what did they do in May? 100,000 pounds. So if you were to average that out month over month, and by the way, they didn't purchase a whole lot during the months of December, January, Um, They were mostly at a slight discount to NAV, although the most persistent period of a discount to NAV has been this last month. So why was May so weak? Sentiment was poor across markets. We had a very risk-off environment across markets. Uh, They were traded almost exclusively to discount to NAV. At one point, they were close to a 16% discount to the net asset value. Obviously, dip buyers that took advantage of that extreme discount are up huge since that dip. Um, really substantial uh, recovery, even with only you know four or five dollars in recovery for the spot price. So when you see that big of a discount to NAV, Mr. Chimpaglia's uh, theory essentially that you know how do you close that discount to NAV? Well, we don't close it by selling pounds and buying back shares. We allow investors to close it. We we believe that so much in this vehicle and in the future of this vehicle and the appreciation we expect this vehicle to uh, to undergo that dips, such as a 16% discount to nav are, um, ripe for investors to take advantage of. And that they did. And those that did are happy sitting here uh, with that uh, nice return. So, um, so right. So 16% discount to nav that they need to be at 101% of nav. So 1% premium to nav. Now it's a bit unclear whether or not that is a real time premium to the to the real time nav. Um, my understanding is possibly that uh, it's a one percent premium to the closing nav of the previous day. It certainly seems like that might be the case. As I feel like in the past week we've seen some money raised when uh, they were right on the edge of it being at a one percent premium to the to the real time nav, but it seemed like they did raise money slightly under that. So perhaps it's a 1% premium to the previous days, closing NAV. either way, it's pretty close. And that's essentially what they need. Why? They take a 1% fee, a management fee when they buy uranium. So with all of that said, uh, since they've been out of the market, spot U308 slipped all the way back to $45 a pound. Over the last week, it's risen back up to $50 a pound or $49.75 mid-market almost $5 without SPUT buying a single pound. So that's significant, okay? The pressure that SPUT has put on the market is more than just the buying. And that's something that I think is really important to understand. And it's something to recognize that um, if you believe that money will flow, institutional level money will flow back into the sector, SPUT is one of very few vehicles that it will flow into. So you have to think, if you were betting on money coming into the space, then you have to bet on the fact that we have this vehicle that adds significant torque that didn't exist a year ago, and that torque is money flows in uh, when they're at a premium to NAV. They have you know up up to fifty or to sixty percent of the shares traded on any given day uh, could be coming from the ATM. So half of that money coming in when they're at a premium to NAV goes towards direct purchasing of uranium, and that moves the price of uranium, which moves the whole sector. It's an unbelievable flywheel to use that term again, um, adds so much torque to the space. And that's one reason why, uh, yes, we do believe that money will come back into the space. We do believe that investors are aware of this vehicle and when risk is back on and that happens, the torque is unbelievable. And that torque is what uh, makes this space so exciting. We do expect that to happen again. So to reiterate, over the last six trading days, they've raised 64 million in new capital, 85 million in cash, they're sitting on enough to buy a million pounds, Let's see what that does to the uranium price in the next few days. I expect that they will deploy that cash um, as soon as possible because you don't want to get too much of a tracking error based on the price that the spot uranium was at at the time of purchase. In fact, I find it kind of odd that they have not purchased yet in the spot market. That is very, very interesting. I don't think there's a huge tracking error at this point between the the level that they raised the, uh, raise the money at and where spot is trading at now. But uh, my understanding is when they raise when they issue shares to raise cash, they have to have line of sight on some pounds. So curious that they haven't bought, but it is interesting to see other players taking part in trading on the spot market. That seems to be happening as a mechanism of front running spot and seeing that spot is raising cash. So uh, I want to note. So that's just kind of the 30,000 foot view of spot. This this vehicle is is here to stay. Um, There's been some speculation and some some criticism of SPUT around uh, whether or not they should have a redemption mechanism, obviously not a redemption mechanism in that um, owners of SPUT trust units can actually exchange exchange those units for physical U308 that they can store in their garage that clearly is not going to happen, but at least a mechanism where they can sell pounds, whether that's when they're at a discount to NAV in order to buy back shares, or to actually see a profit and therefore a value in what they hold based on the potential for them to profit from that. And, uh, you know, my short response to that essentially is imagine a redemption mechanism for a spot. Let's say when they're trading at a greater, a, a greater than, let's say 10% discount to nav. Okay. That's only happened a few times, but it has happened and they were to sell pounds into the market. Let's say they've sold those pounds. So, so let's backtrack. When SPUT trades at that that steep of a discount to NAV, usually and historically over this past year when it's happened, there's been a risk off environment across the markets, generally speaking, Um, at least across the uranium markets and potentially even the uranium nuclear fuel market that has happened uh, to some extent in the spot market as at least as well, uh, at least according to U308, not necessarily UF6 and EUP, okay? So let's say they're at a, a significant discount to NAV and they're gonna sell some pounds in the market to buy back shares. Which technically would be accretive to shareholders, but you have to think about what effect that would have on such a small, illiquid market, such as the uranium spot market. Let's say that they go to sell a million pounds in the spot market. Let's say we're in a quiet moment in the spot market, as we are now, as we have been, relatively speaking. What if there's no bid? What if the what, the, what if there's just no bid when they go to sell those pounds in the market? Okay, how much does that drop the uranium price? Two, three, four, five dollars a pound. Just on one or two million pounds sold, um, that effect on the market, generally speaking, would be uh, you know not necessarily disastrous, but it would be substantial, and it would create its own reverse flywheel, effectively negating the use case for this vehicle itself. So I get it that um, that the ability to sell those pounds, some value investors would see that as a positive thing. And perhaps that might happen in the future as it's set up, is set up now. And as Mr. Champaglia has reiterated over and over and over, we're not selling uranium, period. Part of the reason for having that as uh, within the prospectus and repeating this over and over coming from Sprott themselves is the investors have to be confident in the fact that they're not going to sell. Uh, You don't want to hold this vehicle if all of a sudden markets go risk off, they're at a discount to NAV, they start selling pounds of uranium. That erases, uh, that has such a profound, that would have such a profound effect on the markets. They would have to time it very well to the point where it wouldn't necessarily make sense. So as it is now, that discount to NAV is an arbitrage opportunity for traders. So with all of that said, the value of Sput is in the uranium they hold. It's a way to own it. And while you don't sell uranium by selling your trust units, you can hold that physical uranium via holding trust units and sell those trust units into the future to a willing buyer at any point in the future um, that you choose to do so. And of course, if markets go risk off and the market peaks and the SPUT trust starts to fall, you're likely not going to grab the top, but that's not unique to spot. That's that's the case for any any security, any equity that you hold, you have to sell to a buyer. So the, the the case of, oh, well, you're gonna have to sell your SPUT trust units and there's not gonna be a buyer available for that. You know, that could be the case with anything. Um, you know, when everybody's rushing for the exits, you don't wanna be sitting on full positions and that's obvious. Um, and that's, like I said, that's something that's not unique to SPUT. That's, that's how it is for anything that you own, whether it's a used car, whether it's you know, shares of Cameco, uh, you know, whether it's calls for AMC that are way out of the money, you have to sell them to a willing buyer. And that is not unique to Sput. And so the value of this vehicle is in its liquidity, in its ability to give investors exposure to the pure play commodity, because a lot of people that are high net worth investors that need high liquidity don't want to take minor risk. And this is a way for them to have exposure to the sector without taking on individual minor risk. All right, I'm not going to say anything more about that. Uh, we love Sput. It's a vehicle that we um, fully support and it's, fu- it's changed this sector. It's already done, you know, in my opinion, it's done the bulk of its job already by clearing out 30 something million pounds of uranium in nine months. Phenomenal. And uh, Chipaglia is a very, very stand up human being and he knows what he's doing. So um, I, trust, I trust the way that he's operating this vehicle. And I think going forward, they're going to be a very, very important element of this market and we're very happy to see them here and uh, participating in this Iranian bull market. All right, one last note before I sign off for the weekend. Diablo Canyon. So there was a letter sent from the office of the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, to the uh, energy secretary, Secretary Granholm. And this letter essentially says uh, the following. I'm gonna read verbatim a few sentences and then I'll give you my take. Quote, additional actions are needed to meet a projected gap of 1800 megawatts between energy demand at net peak for the state of California, and already ordered procurement imported energy before reflecting extreme events and further delays in projects coming online, more solar in the desert. That's what they're bringing online. To maximize options to maintain electricity reliability as new projects come online, the state is evaluating a temporary delay of the planned retirement of Diablo Canyon power plant. DCPP is slated for closure in part based on economic circumstances. Oh, that's interesting. What's the other part, Uh, Office of the Governor? I'm not gonna go there. Continuing operations would require substantial investments. Thus, a key factor for the state's evaluation of of an extension and its economic viability is whether the first award period for the Civil Nuclear Credit Program applies to Diablo Canyon power plant. Okay, so they're sending a letter to Secretary Granholm basically inquiring whether or not this new program uh, by the Biden administration for credit, for um, clean energy credits that could support nuclear power plants to remain online will, in fact, apply to Diablo Canyon. Now, in part, the, one of the reasons was economic viability. I have a very, very hard time believing that, considering that the sunk sun costs are already in with this power plant. This is eight and a half, nine 9% of the state's uh, energy. It's 30-something percent, uh, percent of the state's carbon-free energy. California is building more solar farms out in the desert. Um, if you've ever seen these, they're an absolute ecological nightmare and an eyesore. Um, they produce energy during the day that we cannot store overnight. To be fair, peak demand for California is during the day. It's in the mid to late afternoon when the state is scorching in August and September. So to that extent, more solar is likely to help that peak. but. Um, it's 100% illogical to be closing this plant, and it's very, very nice to see a bit of logic come into the Gavin Newsom uh, uh, governorship conveniently during an election year. Either way, I'm not going to complain about it. Let's see Diablo Canyon stay online. Uh, we want to see support for nuclear. We did just see the Palisades nuclear power plant is 800 megawatt plant closed down, that was unfortunate. The operator is getting out of nuclear. They had, uh, were the owners of two of the most recent nuclear power plant closures in the States as well. I think that was um, Indian Point and there was one other, I apologize, It's um, uh, I'm losing it at the top of my head here. Either way, they're getting out of nuclear and it sounds to me like there were some upgrades that needed to happen to the plant for it to go on further and would be buyers were not interested in making that investment. Very, very unfortunate. Uh, kind of a bummer that we see such positive, supportive statements coming from the um, from the Biden administration and coming from the DOE. Uh, yet the government did not really take any steps to, um, let's see, influence the uh, the Palisades plant staying online. But hopefully this program will keep Diablo online. All right. I'm going to leave that there. Hope you all had a great week. Very exciting times in the markets. Very, very volatile times. Um, Certainly, certainly feels um, like an unsettled market for the most part um, across uh, equity asset classes, but um, it couldn't be looking more positive for nuclear and for uranium. So um, we'll see how that turns out in the short term. I think we know how that turns out in the long term, which is what we're betting on. All right. Take care of yourself. Please have a great weekend. We will see you again next week. Cheers.